and you can be seated. Yeah, come on. It's okay to honor Jesus. You know, I just want to say to everyone, um, again, whether you're super engaged with what's happening in our world or whether you're just being brought into it this morning, I want to say fear not. Peace be still. Jesus rules and reigns over all the earth. He rules and reigns over every heart that's submitted to him. And this is an incredible hour to live in where our witness and our testimony of Jesus counts. We've often talked about the definition of kingdom is wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. Wherever the king is not, there is chaos. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying, Jesus, come and rule and reign here. Come and rule and reign in the Middle East. Come and rule and reign in my heart, my home. Whatever it is that is in chaos or in unrest or in peace, Jesus, come and rule and reign. And when he's ruling and reigning, there is peace because he is called the Prince of Peace. And when we live under the rule and reign of Jesus and under full submission to him, we're not just holding on until we now have something to offer the world that's desperate for peace. So I want to, um, I've been adjusting things, you know, all morning, just as we've been moving with what God's doing. And um, I wanted to take us back to uh, our five-year word, just a moment. There's a little arc deal that we've had here. And we found ourselves at the end of 2020 saying, God, what in the world is going on? And of course, there were so many chaotic things going on. Lord, you come and rule and reign again and lead us. And there's such a clarity, my friends, whenever things are chaotic, we don't um, have to figure out and reason through the chaos, we need to get on our knees and listen to God. And as we got on our knees and listened to God, he said, I'm laying out a five-year word to reestablish this house to be a strong tower in the midst of a crazy world. And that first year was all about surrender. And again, for those who've joined in with us, the great thing about these things that God is speaking to us as a community is that they're always in continual. It wasn't like, oh, I wasn't here in 21. I guess I didn't get to surrender. No, you get to surrender today to Jesus and experience the blessing of that. When we lean in as a community, then again, we experience the corporate blessing of surrender. Jesus, this is your this is your house. This is your way. Come have your way with us. The second year, God spoke to us so clearly to put prayer and worship in his word back to the center of our affections and our passions. And little did we know how badly that that would be needed even today. In Philippians 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So how many people know that God sees ahead? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, uh, plans for a future and a hope, not for calamity and destruction. God knows the plans that he has, and he looks ahead, and he leads us in what we need to know so that when we get there, we have what we need. 
this prayer and worship deal. So when we find ourselves anxious on a personal level or in our home or in our business and, or wherever we are, if we're looking at the world news, when we find ourselves anxious, we pull that lever of intercession and we begin to pray and roll the burdens over onto the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We entrust our anxieties to him and with worship and gratitude and thanksgiving, we get filled up and fueled up so that we can have the peace of God ruling and reigning everywhere we go. It's amazing. It's amazing that God knows what we need before we need it. So for those who've leaned in with us on surrender, prayer, worship, and intercession, my prayer is that you're finding grace and peace and not carrying the weight of the world, but you feel like you have hope and help when anxieties come. And then this year on unity, on unity, and we've been leaning in this uh, in Ephesians 4, uh, 2 and 3, it says, therefore in love, maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Jesus' prayer that we be one as he and the Father are one. We've been praying that, talking about it, thinking about it, reasoning together. And the reason that God spoke unity is not just that it's a nice word that we would all like. He spoke it because we need it. We need each other. This body needs each other. The churches in our city need each other. The body of Christ in America, body of Christ around the world. It's not just that unity is a good idea. It's always a good idea. It's always a right idea. But God in his sovereignty is speaking ahead of time because we need it. So when God is directing or guiding a community or a people, lean in and join in. Lean in and join in. And so I wanted to take just a few moments, we got about 20 minutes here, and just unpack again another swing at the unity piece to help us be the people of God that we're called to be. I'm going to choose a passage from Philippians today, and just for context, the book of Philippians was written from prison. Paul was in prison. And he wrote this book. He said, there's people preaching the gospel for immotives and impure motives. There was prison and division. And Paul speaks these little sweet words about encouragement and love and thinking on good things. And you think, yeah, that's easy to do, but you're not in my position, Paul. Wow, he was in prison and division. And he said, here are the things that you do when you're in prison and division to find victory and grace. You ready? So Philippians 2, hopefully a common passage to many of you. You can ask my son-in-laws as I, we spent time meditating on this together. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ. Jesus. So in the midst of prison and division, Paul gives us some tools that we are going to need in order to find victory and grace, not just for ourselves, but to help others find unity by the grace of God. Uh, one of my close friends, a guy named Kendall Laughlin, and he was 
kind of charged to speak on the topic of unconditional love, and specifically not just God's unconditional love for us, but unconditional love for one another. How do we live in love? So as he was praying about it, God spoke to him this little phrase, A-Q-I, And he said, God, what's AQI? And then he Googled it, and that is the Air Quality Index. And he said, wow, Lord, the Air Quality Index, what would you like to say to me about that? Let's look at the Air Quality Index table and see if God might speak to you. So this is where they measure like pollution, like in Los Angeles. What's, what's the AQI today? Is it good, bad, and different? What, where are we today in our air quality? So here's where I go. I want to actually read this for you. I know this is uh, helpful. Um, the air quality, if it's green, it means the air quality is good. The little phrase, air quality is satisfactory, and air pollution poises little or no risk. Wonderful. Yellow. It's moderate. Air quality is acceptable. However, there may be a risk for some people, particularly those who are unusually sensitive to air pollution. Some of you are already translating this for me. I'm going to go back around. Orange, unhealthy for sensitive groups. Anybody a sensitive group out there? Members of sensitive groups may experience health effects. The general public is less likely to be affected. Red air quality, unhealthy. Some members of the general public may experience health effects. Members of sensitive groups may experience more serious health effects. Purple, very unhealthy. Very unhealthy. Health alert, health alert, health alert. The risk of health effects is increased for everyone. Maroon, terrible. Hazardous. Health warning of emergency conditions. Everyone is more likely to be affected. So instead of Uh, air quality index, change it to agape love quality index. What is your love index today? When people experience you, what kind of air or what kind of spirit do they experience? Healthy, unhealthy, sensitive, red alert, red alert. All sensitive people stay away from that person. They're living not in love, but in anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. They have dissensions and factions and envious and drunking and carousing. What kind of spirit are you of? What kind of air quality are you bringing to the table in your personal life, in your roommates, your family, in those that you work with, and those that you're around, and those in the church? Our agape quality index should be green <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. And obviously, mine is not always green. And when it is not, the beauty is I can repent, come back to God, and allow him to put a right spirit within me, as David prayed. Lord, put a right spirit within me. May the grace of God, the love of God, may the the goodness of God, may the fruits of the spirit be what people experience around me so that the grace of God may abound wherever I am. It's with that kind of idea, that environment that Paul pins these words. And I wanna just make a few comments about that. It says, if there's any encouragement in Christ... Now, let me just start off by saying there is not only some encouragement in Christ, there is unending encouragement in Christ. When I come daily and listen first to the words of Jesus through the word and first behold him as a person, I get my mind and my heart, my air quality gets clean because I'm looking at the perfect one. 
and I get God's mind and God's heart, and I get encouraged that I am forgiven by God through the blood of Jesus. I get encouraged that fear has no place in my life. I get encouraged that I am the apple of his eye. I get encouraged of his love for me. And as James Mark just sang, despite me, he loves me because he can't be anything but himself. And therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, again, I could go on and on and on. But I would say it's not only an admonition if there's any personal encouragement in Christ, but is there personal encouragement for others who are of Christ? That I should be encouraging and calling out what I see that is of God in the people around me because they need it. Here's what it says in Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Everybody say evil. Unbelieving heart. Wow. He equates evil with unbelief, not believing what God says or what God says about me. Be careful that there's not an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Here's, here's how it goes. If I don't hear encouragements from God, if I don't know I'm loved and cared for and valuable, I will pull away from God and others out of my pain and detachment. It's who you're attached to who defines you. And we are attached not only to God, but through his grace, we're attached to one another. So we need to build up, love one another, care for one another. I just got back from visiting our church planters in uh, Miami. We're planting a church in Miami and sitting around with the team. And one of the gals on the team, how's everybody doing? Uh, how are you feeling about things? And so on and so forth. And then she begins to say, you know, I've, I, I feel like I'm not that valuable to the team. I'm feeling um, like, uh, you know, I'm not really a help. I'm feeling these, th that I'm, um, uh, am I really needing to be here? Am I really needing to be a part of things? And we're all looking around like, are you kidding me? This person's incredible. They are amazing. And, and uh, as I look at them, I only think good thoughts about them. I only think what a servant they are and what a contributor they are and how valuable they are to all of us. And so that was the response of everybody. No, you're, you're incredibly valuable. You, we need you. Here's what you've done positive. You've done this. You've done that. And when you begin to do that, all of a sudden, she then comes from feeling like she's on the outside to on the inside. Does that make sense? I see you in Christ and I'm pulling you in instead of leaving you on your own. Does that make sense? This is a big deal, you guys, everybody. Now listen, that does not mean that we don't speak the truth in love. It does not mean that we don't address issues. Actually, that's for another sermon for another day. But what that means is that I'm looking at people as Christ sees them and I'm calling out what I see of God. And even in their failures, I'm listening, we're praying, we're repenting together, and I'm saying, now that's not who you are. God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and I'm contending with you for all that I see of what God is doing and what it can be. Encourage one another daily. Put courage into people. When you say, I don't know how God's gonna use me, he seems to be using everybody else but me, if you walk around today, if you encourage five people today, you're gonna be used of God, and the power of God's gonna be released through your life. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, that word consolation can be comfort of love. If there's any comfort of love. 
So when I'm with people, there is this sense that people actually know without words whether you love them and are pulling them in or whether you don't. It's, it's a spirit of the way that we carry ourselves. And basically I say, are we in it for them? Are we wanting the best for them? Are we, are we looking at them as valuable before God? And when we do that, if there's any way to love somebody, do it, right? What if in your closest relationship, and for that, this would be my wife, Laura, but let's just say your closest relationship, friendship, you walked in today and you said, hey, I've been thinking about it and thinking about how to love you better. And I've decided this, that I'm going to cancel all wrongs and all, de- all debts and every way you've ever bugged me and everything that's ever been done, you are free. Wow. You said, what would happen if everybody went home today to their spouse and said, free, canceled, love you. We're just going on from this day forward. Do you know how many people would rejoice? First, they wouldn't believe you. Then secondly, they would come back and say, well, what do you mean by that? I mean that this and this and this, because the scripture says love covers a multitudes of sins. You can't live in community without sinning against people. I don't care how great you think you are. Everybody sins. That's for somebody's got to love me over my sin or we can't ever go forward. Love covers a multitude of sins. So unconditional love then is the ability to forgive and to love one another even beyond what they deserve, actually in the face of what they do not deserve. Here's one definition of agape love, the unconditional love of God. It's the divine love that gives and gives and gives, even if it's never responded to, thanked, or acknowledged. Woo! I love you, Jesus, and I want to love people. Okay, come on, let's go. You could say that agape is a love that isn't based on response, but on a decision to keep on loving regardless of a recipient's response or lack of response. Because agape love is such an unconditional love, I call it a high-level love. This is a guy named Rick Renner talking. It's the highest, most noble, purest form of love that exists. The unconditional love of God, we can get that vertically, but we're also called to give that horizontally. Because many times it is hard to see God or to feel God in this life. So God houses it in his earthen vessels so that we might distribute grace. Most of us, you guys, if we're serious, we live with a ball and chain. We live in the shadow of our sin, our failures, etc. And that ball and chain needs to be cut off by the grace of God. You need strength for today. And God has a future and a hope. We've got to forget the past and we've got to let people go from the past. You don't want to live the rest of your life replaying old tapes that bond, that um, cause people to live in bondage instead of freedom. All right. Encouragement in Christ, consolation of love, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That word fellowship is where we get the Greek word koinonia. It's the deepest kind of fellowship. It's that deep um, life on life interaction with community. That's what we try to uh, provide in our life group environments and the different environments where we walk together as community, as a broader church family. We try to provide a koinonia, a, a God-centered fellowship. And in that leaning in uh, place, we find the grace of God. Hebrews admonishes us this way, Hebrews 10, let us consider 
how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling, our own koinonia, the gathering of the saints together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, whenever you see that in Scripture, the day drawing near, he's talking about the return of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. Um, next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about how do we respond to the world situations around us. There's a lot of questions of how we respond, and I, I think by the grace of God, we're going to go there, uh, but I'm going to take a little time to make sure to really be prepared to share that next week. But here's what I want to say. Whether this is literally the last days, if Jesus is returning uh, in the next few weeks, or whether it's a thousand more years, the admonition is still the, sta- the same. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds for the day is drawing near. At least our personal day where we've lived this life and we're now we're face to face with God or whether that is the consummation of the ages. But Paul would always admonish them in light of eternity, love somebody. In light of eternity, forgive somebody. In light of eternity, give fellowship and lean into one another's life. If you are not leaning in, you're pulling out. If you're pulling out, you're going to be picked off. You've heard me say that before, but I want you to know the beauty of God's covenantal family is that he's provided mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. And as we lean into one another in our times, in our imperfection, but under the rule and reign of Jesus and our love for one another, there's a protection. There's literally a hedge from heaven around koinonia, around Christ-centered fellowship that leans in and doesn't pull out. The grace of God is available. It says, From there, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion. Affection and compassion. So let me deal first with the compassion word. Compassion, the word passion means to suffer. The word compassion means to suffer with. So here's what I would ask you right now. Who are you suffering with? Let me pause a second. I would say that what our culture tells us is that I'm suffering too much so nobody gets any compassion from me. I want to get my compassion. Does that make sense? I would say it another way. Biblical compassion means to suffer with somebody else even if I'm suffering. What do you need? And sometimes the very thing you're suffering with are the people that God brings in your life to come alongside with. So to be a compassionate community, to have air quality index that is high, to have a a love quality index that is high. We have to suffer with people. So it, it means pausing a little bit longer. How are you doing? Let me hear your heart and listening well. Empathizing first, that does not mean that we don't then exhort them to truth, help them get to a safe place, encourage them to get to where they need to go in God. But it does mean that I'm taking the time to come alongside people. And what I would say in a room of this, let's say there's a thousand people in the room and however knows how many online, is that to the amount that we all do this is the health and the air quality of this room. It's not, is, it's not like, hey, hope James, Mark, and Jimmy pull this off today and really love me well. It's, it's really the horizontal interactions with one another in community that allows the air quality, the love quality to go up in our midst. Compassion. 
And then it says any affection. Affection. The scripture says a little uncomfortable for us as North Americans. That's greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, I've traveled around the world, worked in a lot of different settings. It's very normal. They do kind of the air kiss, one cheek, then the other cheek. You've maybe seen this in movies if you haven't experienced it. And, you know, it's always a little awkward for me. You know, okay, I've received that. Yeah. Uh, that's what they're talking about from a Middle Eastern perspective, a holy kiss. But here's the deal. People need affection. Appropriate, holy, godly affection. The hand on the shoulder, the affirmation, the high five, the little fist pump. And the reason is, is that we are body, soul, and spirit. And we house the grace of God, but we have incredible sensitivity in our hands to heal, to restore, to infirm, to care for. And when we show appropriate affection to one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Again, I'm not encouraging that. As much as I am saying the principle behind it of greet one another and let them know they matter. A handshake matters. An affirmation, an appropriate hug, it really, really matters. I jokingly, if you guys, Sean Jones, our youth pastor, whenever I'm with him, I just kiss his bald head. And I am very clear in my masculinity, and he is clear as well. It just seems the right thing to do when I'm with him as an overflow of my gratitude for him. I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Just by the way, he may not appreciate that. However, you guys got the point, right? If I told Laura today, hey, we've already resolved we love each other. We already resolved we're good. No more hugs. We're done. We're good. Uh, uh, Hey, a lot of y'all already picked that up. That's not a good idea. Um, Our love would grow cold because our affection would not be present. We need affection in appropriate, holy, godly way, male and female, in a, in a way that allows the grace of God to be felt. So we have this idea, and then he says, uh, he goes on to say, all right, in this air quality index, in our love quality index, uh, he said, then be of one mind and one heart, be intent on one purpose. There's an intentionality to it. The Hebrews passage we read, it said, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That doesn't all just happen naturally. It happens by the Holy Spirit. God, how do I love my neighbor? God, how do I love my friend? God, how do I love this person? You can read the scriptures here. Here are a few ideas and thoughts and activities and actions. What do they need, Lord? I want to be intent on one one purpose to pull people together because we need each other. It's not just that it's a good idea for personal health. It is a need for the body of Christ to hold strong in these coming days. Our commitment to one another and us learning how to love each other and walk in unity of the spirit and the bond of peace allows us not to just to survive the storm, but to rescue people from the storm. The goal is not just for you to survive. Get a higher vision for unity. Get a higher vision for love. A higher vision for activation. It says in John 17, 9, Jesus sanctified himself for their sakes. Lord, I'm leaning in. I'm learning unity. I'm learning love. I know you love me, but I'm going to learn it next level so that I can rescue others and bring them into what they need. We need it, you guys. It matters in this hour is the body of Christ couple other scriptures, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, consider one another more important than yourselves. Don't actually look out for your own personal interests, but for the interests of others. 
Uh, I have a friend named Macal, and um, he's on the team in Miami as well. And um, Macal is a very gifted guy, works in business and education, all these different things. A very gifted man, loves God, and he's a visionary. God puts things in his heart that he's believing God for. And he came to me when they were forming this team to go to Miami, and uh, he asked me a question. He said, you know, I'm trying to learn the ways of God. And he said, you know, I have this vision and that dream and everything else, but Caleb, my son, has asked me to join him and come with him. I feel that God is saying to do it on this principle that I didn't come to save my life, but to lose my life. And he said, when did my own ambition and desires become greater than loving a brother in their need? He said, is it okay to put aside my own dreams to serve another's because they've asked? Isn't that amazing? What maturity? You know what my answer is? Yes. Yes. It is okay to put aside my own preferences, even my own desires, even to pause on my own sense of uh, this is what I would prefer to do in order for someone else to flourish. It would be just like Jesus. <laughs> I didn't come to save your life, but to lose your life so that the glory of God. So I've used this phrase for years, but I want to repeat it again, especially since we're in this hour. We're in it for him and for them, and God will make sure that we get ours. When we're in it for the glory of God, Jesus, what will bring you the greatest amount of glory? What will help them? How can I come alongside my brothers and sisters uh, and at my own expense so that your beauty can be seen, trusting that you will take care of whatever I need? It's in losing our life that we save our lives. It's in giving our lives away that God makes sure that we're taken care of. I prayed for somebody after the last uh, service and they were saying, I just want more of God. I just want more of God. What does that look like? And it seemed to me that the Holy Spirit was saying as I was praying for them, if you will choose faith and obedience, God will make sure that you get more. If you will simply trust God and move out in obedience, God will make sure that you're taken care of. In our independent society, you guys, this thing is off the rails. Independence does not cause the beauty and interdependence that God created us for. Independence puts you on a lonely island or on an arrogant island or on a, 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 a vulnerable island. It's, again, be independent in the sense of I own my relationship with God. I take responsibility for my own junk in life. I'm com coming before God as an individual, taking responsibility for my heart and life. But I am now interdependent because I'm giving my life away to the body and the people around me for the greater good. It's not independence or codependence. It's interdependence for the glory of God. And lastly, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. When you don't know what to do, say literally, what would Jesus do? And you're probably going to get to the right answer. <laughs> the life that he lived, the love that he gave is perfect. He's the hero of all heroes. He's the wisest person that ever lived. And he lives today to speak to our hearts and our minds when we are wholly committed to him. Let me just say again, peace be still. Fear not, my friends. We are in a beautiful place under the rule and reign of God. He's preparing us for the coming storms and the days that are going on even today. I don't know what all the future holds, but I know who holds it. And I know that he's preparing us to help others through it as we trust in him.
Let's all stand together. If our prayer teams would come to the front quickly, be available. Hey, it's the family room, man. Who needs help? Who needs a little affection, compassion, encouragement, love, prayer? You get to say, man, I'm just feeling down and lonely. These people up here have said, God, would you make me available to help people with whatever they need today? And we wanna pray for you. We wanna love you in the name of Jesus. We wanna care for you. And, um, and we would just ask that you'd come with whatever your needs are, physical, mental, emotional, relational, financial. Don't miss an opportunity to get help if you need it right now. And I just would always say, I just need to always tell everyone we've got people up on the landing up there to pray for you. I just always wanna say, don't let pride keep you from getting help. I really feel led by the Holy Spirit to say this one thing. 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, um, I had a stomach deal from um, a, a parasite I'd gotten overseas 18 months. I was nauseous all day long for 18 straight months. And I was counseling this guy that had a lot of personal struggles in his life. And, uh, and he came to my office and trying to help him through some stuff. And he said, Brother Jimmy, could I pray for you? And I thought, okay, this guy has a barrel of needs, but okay, yeah, pray for me. I want to pray for your stomach. He prayed for me, and in a moment, I had gone to multiple doctors and everything. In a moment, I was healed. I was healed by an imperfect person. Anybody have I ever prayed for? If I prayed for you, I was imperfect too, by the way. But I just love the picture of the grace of God. We just humble ourselves to one another, not because somebody's perfect or imperfect, but because the Spirit of God lives within us. And His gifts are gifts of grace. If you need a gift of grace to be loved today, come on as we sing. We want to pray for you. Lead us out, guys.